welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, Behind Enemy Bylines, the preseason preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast miniseries, where I'll talk with several student journalists from a few of Georgia's opponents for the 2023 season. First up is Griffin Goodwin from South Carolina, Georgia's third opponent of the season and its first SEC opponent. Again, I wanted to uh, welcome my guest, Griffin Goodwin, here. Griffin, if you don't mind uh, quickly introducing yourself, uh, what do you do, who do you work for, and uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm Griffin Goodwin. I'm the assistant sports editor at the Daily Gamecock, which is the University of South Carolina's student newspaper. Um, I've been there since a the first semester freshman. I, I've always had a strong passion for sports media dating back to when I was a kid, watching Stuart Scott on Center, subscribing to Sports Illustrated, um, that sort of deal. So I kind of knew that, you know, that was always the path that I wanted to go down. So I've been heavily involved with that, as well as a, a local outlet, GamecockCentral.com, which is a part of the On3, you know, family of network of sites. Um, so I write about South Carolina athletics there, too. And on top of that, I'm just a big-time sports fan. Soccer's my favorite sport, but, you know, college football's creeping up there since I became a Gamecock. Being from Rich, Virginia, I didn't really care too, too much about SEC football till I came to college, just because... UVA and VT were big back at home, but it's been absolutely awesome. And, you know, being a part of, you know, the Daily Gamecock doing podcasts like this is, you know, one of my favorite things to do. So I'm very, very happy to be here. That's amazing. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Uh, but let's go ahead and hop right into the questions. Uh, let's go ahead and take it back all the way to, to uh, this past season, 2022-2023. Um, how did that season go? Uh, how, how did the team perform? Uh, who were some of the standout players? And uh, just kind of give a, a quick little recap on the season as a whole. Yeah, so I just want to preface first by saying that whenever it comes to South Carolina football, expectations are big every single year. No matter if you finish 10-2 and two, or maybe only finish with a two-win season, there's always expectations within the athletic department, amongst the fan base. You can especially hear it on Twitter because the South Carolina faithful are very, very vocal there. But no matter what, there's always an expectation to do better than the year before and that was the same thing last year because obviously my freshman year um which was two years ago 2021 that was Shane Beamer's first year um as head coach of this football team and we went from you know a two-win team in the COVID year to a bowl winning team um and you know obviously after that game there was a lot of renewed faith in the program Again, those expectations coming back. And we did actually improve a little bit on last year. I kind of describe it as a bit of a roller coaster because there are definitely times when South Carolina was hot. And when they were hot, they were very hot. But then there were some matchups where they kind of fell flat on their backs and didn't perform as well. So definitely the lows, I feel like, happened first before those high highs at the end of the season. Obviously, we had two pretty big losses in, you know, games that we probably thought were maybe winnable. Um, we lost 23-10 to 10 to Missouri. Missouri is a team that's kind of always been our kryptonite. Uh, we haven't beat them in a couple of years, but we only got 32 yards on the ground against them. And um, right before the hot stretch um, that I'll talk about a little bit later, we, lo we had a big blowout loss to Florida, 38-6. to 6. We gave up 515 yards, including 374 on the ground that game, while we accumulated only 237, just 44 rushing. So that was a very, very huge loss. And at that point in the season, we lost that game. And the next two matchups in our schedule, number five, Tennessee, number seven, Clemson. Outlooks were very, very grim. We didn't think we had any chance, but we somehow came out of those two games 2-0. At home in Willie, Willie B. 
we beat Tennessee 63-38. Spencer Rattler, obviously the big transfer acquisition of the offseason before, went off, throwing six touchdowns, no interceptions, and that kind of put Gamecock football on the map after a lot of people were saying it was going to be a surefire volunteer victory to kind of push them into the playoff race. And um, then the next week, we go on the road to Clemson. And again, that's a team that's beat us every single year since 2013. We go to their house, and, you know, we're able to beat them 31-30 in a really, really thrilling game. Spencer Rowler comes up with another really big performance. And, you know, at that point, like, at least from since I've been there, there had never been that much momentum behind the team in my two years there. So coming off those two wins, we play Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl, put up another big, strong fight, but came up just short. So after those three games, I think that kind of heading into the offseason, a lot of people are hoping that South Carolina can kind of ride that wave of momentum into next season where we kind of start off right off the bat with a, a neutral site match against UNC. Absolutely. Yeah, I know from the Georgia perspective over here, uh, you know, that, that classic early early season matchup where there was a bit of a beatdown, uh, and then to watch as South Carolina kind of rolled on at the, end, at the end of the season, beating Clemson, beating Tennessee, which I can guarantee to you made a lot of Georgia fans very happy. Um, that I know from the Georgia perspective, it was really fun to see the South Carolina team kind of rise to the occasion, especially towards the end of the season. But kind of moving into the offseason specifically, were there any changes to the coaching staff? Yeah, there was. So um, we um, had a new offensive coordinator come in. The previous one was Marcus Satterfield. He'd been there. Went, there was a big kind of change of the guard in the coaching staff after Will Muschamp was fired um, in the middle of the 2020 season. Then comes Shane Beamer, new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator. So basically there's a whole changing of the guard there. And um, that hire at that position, like I said, Marcus Satterfield. Um, and kind of heading into um, – he, he, he was under a little bit of pressure kind of heading into last year. And then, you know, there was a lot of um, people who were vocal, you know, about his play calling. Um, even some players were kind of vocal about, you know, not being utilized in the way that they'd wanted. Um, and he eventually was let go at the end of the season, partially because of that, but also because he got um, a job at Nebraska. So he's the offensive coordinator there. Um, that's the really big change. Um, and we brought in um, Dow Loggins, who um, was the offensive, was the tight ends coach at Arkansas. He's both NFL experience and also brought one of his players over to Carolina. So that's going to be an interesting hire to see how um, the offensive system kind of changes with the new offensive coordinator there. And um, other than that, the other two, there are two other kind of more minor coaching changes. Um, Greg Atkins, our offensive line coach, stepped down due to health issues and was replaced by Ronnie Teasley. And then um, Jimmy Lindsay, who's our defensive line coach, he's now at LSU and was replaced by Travian Robertson, who is actually a former alum of the program. So, you know, there's a lot of momentum behind that hire. A lot of people like that. And to kind of talk a little bit about um, some of the other coaches that we have, um, Pete Lembo is our special teams coordinator. Um, special teams was one of, was basically the pride of South Carolina football. You know, people always chanting Beamer ball, Beamer ball, this Beamer ball, that. Um, and Lembo was a really big factor in that. He kind of helped make South Carolina special teams one of, you know, the best units in the country and actually was a semifinalist for the Broyles Award, which is given to the top assistant in the country. So he really revamped that side of the football. Um, and Clayton White, again, kind of like I mentioned earlier, came on staff in 2021 and has helped, you know, especially in the secondary and the defensive line and kind of increasing our turnover ratio, which has kind of been one of the 
big things that our defense has been able to do over the past couple years is turning over the football and giving it right back to the offense. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like some interesting hires. Uh, now, with every offseason comes the inevitable draft and especially recently transfer portal, which has been kind of all the rage. Who were some of the guys that South Carolina lost, whether through the transfer portal or the draft? Um, and how important were they to uh, South Carolina's success? Yeah, I'll say that um, I feel like this year at a lot of different positions is going to be a changing of the guard transition type year because there are a lot of experienced veterans who left via the transfer portal and the draft. I'll kind of start with the draft first um, because Cam Smith um, was a second round draft pick to Miami. And over the past few seasons, he's playing at, at an all SEC level in the Gamecock secondary. So he was a really big leader on that side of the football um, and he'll definitely be missed, but he'll definitely develop really well in Miami, who already has, you know, players like Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard in that secondary. So he's going to get mentored really well, and it's going to see be interesting to see if he can make that leap. Um, and another guy on that side of the ball, Zach Pickens, um, was also a very big leader. He was our defensive team captain. He's now a D lineman on the Bears. So that was that's some pretty big production we lost at those positions as well as you know offensive line we had Javon Glenn go in the seventh round as well as Eric Douglas leave um, as an undrafted free agent those two guys were basically been leading the line on offense um, probably for the past three seasons so just losing that veteran presence is going to be big um, and kind of like you mentioned the transfer portal hit us pretty hard as well um, we had Marshawn Lloyd who was our big time starting running back who before last season, you know, had a pretty injury-riddled beginning to his career, um, but last year had by far one of his best seasons, um, scoring 11 touchdowns, which is, I think, top 10 in the SEC, if I remember correctly, and his loss was pretty big because now, I'll kind of dive into this a little bit later, but running back is definitely one of the positions now that has a lot of question marks surrounding it, so obviously having, if he were there this season, maybe those question marks wouldn't exist. But now that he's departed to the other USC, Southern California, it's going to be kind of interesting to see, you know, who fits in there. And I'd say another two players who left in the transfer portal were pretty big. Um, Jaheim Bell was our starting tight end. He was really big in the Mayo Bowl in 2021. That's kind of where he burst onto the scene with two big touchdowns that were 50-plus yards. So kind of people went into last season thinking that he'd get, you know, a lot more of the ball, but it turned out to be the opposite because we weren't really playing our tight ends too, too much, which kind of going back to what I said earlier was why maybe a lot of people weren't big fans of Marcus Satterfield. And he actually got employed at running back, which is pretty interesting, but he left to go to Florida state. And on the defensive side of the ball, Jordan Birch, who is a local player in South Carolina, five-star recruit in 2020, he's going across the country to Oregon. So those, I'd say those are three, pretty impact losses as far as the transfer portal goes but obviously kind of in the offseason there are players who came in as well to kind of maybe not replace them um, but also you know try to provide some depth at those places where you know there were previously holes so and we'll get into that a little bit later but those are definitely some of the guys who left in the offseason oh absolutely and in fact we can get into it right now because as you know the transfer portal in the draft of course it taketh you know, uh, but uh, the transfer portal and at least high school recruiting, it certainly giveth as well. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about who are some of the big time players that, that South Carolina grabbed out of the portal or um, out of high school? There's one specifically that does come to mind to myself, um, as well as any players that might be returning to the team next year that could be uh, 
big and uh, impactful pieces. I'm already going to take a guess. Is that high school player thinking of Nick Harbour? Oh, it's got to be Nick Harbour. Oh, yes. Nick Harbour was definitely the biggest recruit that South Carolina got in the offseason. Actually, when I found out that we got him in the middle of one of my classes, I almost just you know gave a little fist bump to my buddy next to me but that was a really really big get for the South Carolina Gamecocks because you know he just has a very unite unique combination of size and speed people are already comparing him to DK Metcalf um, because you know back in high school he actually played on both sides of the football and was an all-state sprinter and you know coming to South Carolina one of the big things that brought him here was that you know he's able to run on the track team. So he'll be playing football in the fall. He's going to transition to wide receiver. He's going to stick to the offensive side of the football. But during the winter and also into the spring, he's going to be running track because he has goals of becoming an Olympian. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, that, you know, that two-sport athlete kind of thing, see how that turns out. And then on the defensive side of the ball, in terms of recruiting, Xavier McLeod is definitely a, a name that comes to mind as one of the top high school players in the state last year. Um, he actually got to play in the Under Armour All-America game and kind of showed off in that contest. And I could go a long way in talking about a lot more other recruits because this year's class was definitely one of the best ones that South Carolina has in a long time. And now that Shane Beamer has kind of, you know, established himself as the head coach here and it's kind of showed, you know, what his, his players are capable of doing on the field, you know, all these recruits are seeing that and are wanting to come to South Carolina, especially a lot of in-state guys, you know, Previously may have wanted to go to Clemson because obviously go back five years ago, they're in national titles every single year. They're grabbing all the top prospects. But now we're kind of seeing a little bit of shift where maybe Shane Beamer and his staff are starting to kind of recruit or win some of those recruiting battles in state. Um, and to kind of talk more about, you know, players in the transfer portal, like you said, it giveth and taketh away. And it we definitely got a lot of, um you know, strong guys from the portal as well. I definitely think that Trey Knox is a guy who's going to be a big impact player on the Gamecock offense. As I mentioned before, Dow Loggins came from Arkansas. Knox is the player who came with him. And he boasts a lot of experience, you know, in the SEC and familiarity with his offensive system. So he's going to be a, a leader in the locker room trying to teach the guys, you know, maybe some of the things they're unfamiliar with. And just, you know, the fact that he's been there for four years and he's a grad student at USC, just, you know, that experience is going to speak volumes and is going to be a really great asset in that locker room. And kind of like I mentioned before about, you know, the questions at running back, question marks at running back, um, those were addressed in the portal with a Mario Anderson. Um, he's from Newbury College, which is actually a D2 school. But last season, he was one of the top D2 players in the country, was an All-American at that level, and, at, and set the school record last year with 1560 uh, rushing yards and 211 carries. So he's going to be a guy who's going to really factor heavily in that room as well. So... Although, you know, those losses are going to sting, these guys coming in, I have faith that they're probably going to do really good things, you know, for that Gamecock offense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, again, to kind of continue on some of those guys that are returning pieces, you kind of mentioned Spencer Rattler. He exploded in that Tennessee game and, and kind of kept that rolling through the end of the season. Plus, there's a few other guys that are still there. Who are some of those, who are one or two of those returning players that you are really keeping an eye out for for this upcoming season? Yeah, obviously you can't talk about, you know, returning players, big impact players without mentioning Spencer Rattler, who, like I mentioned before, transferred from Oklahoma last year, kind of had a slow start to the season as he was adjusting to SEC play, but he really turned it on over those last two games in Clemson and Tennessee. And there's a lot of, you know, faith that, you know, now that he's 
kind of established in the SEC. You know, he's familiar with the offense, that he can take things up another level in the fall. Along with Juice Wells, who is, you know, his right-hand man um, as a wide receiver, also transferring last year. He was from James Madison, who before last year were playing at the FCS level. Um, but he burst onto the scene, first team All-ACC at the wide receiver position, 928 yards on 68 catches and six touchdowns. So the Wells-Rattler connection is going to be really huge. And the news that um, of those guys coming back was also a really you know big moment in the offseason because a lot of people were saying that you know they could be going to the NFL draft, um, but they eventually came back to play one more year at South Carolina. So it's going to be really exciting to see what they do. And kind of to talk a little bit more about the other units, Nick Emanwari was a guy who, you kind of, who was a freshman last year and actually was one of the best freshmen in the country at the safety position, um, leading South Carolina in tackles, and actually led all freshmen in FBS in solo tackles. Um, he was a freshman All-American by um, name there by multiple media outlets. And kind of like I mentioned before when I was talking about Pete Limbo, special teams is a really big thing. And uh, one of the top returning players for the Gamecocks is actually their punter, Kai Kroger, who was um, a first-team All-American um, and also probably should have been a finalist for the Ray Guy Award, which is given to the top punter in the country, which is a little bit of a controversial decision that he wasn't named a finalist, but he was still one of the top punters in the country regardless, and he's pretty potent on trick plays. He's a 6-of-6 six six career passer with three touchdowns, so... Whenever South Carolina has a fourth down, they better watch out and make sure that Kai Kroger doesn't step back to the pocket because history shows that he's pretty good at, you know, firing the ball into the end zone. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, if you've ever seen ESPN on a, on a, a random day, on like a random Tuesday, they're, they're reposting some Kai Kroger highlight trick plays and stuff like that. And I still remember everyone being confused that he wasn't playing for Kentucky on that Kroger field because... Gosh, I mean, that name is too perfect. <laughs> but uh, to kind of move on to, to more recent events, to move on uh, over to the spring season, how was kind of spring practice for South Carolina? Who um, was kind of stepping up? Who was performing well? And who might have been some unexpected names coming out of camp? When it comes to, you know, big players coming out of camp, I feel like a lot of the buzz is around some of the younger players on the team, whether, you know, they had already been there or they were incoming freshmen coming in. But I think one of the position groups that's getting a lot of praise are, is the secondary, which you kind of dive deeper into that is one of those positions, kind of like I mentioned earlier, that's there's going to be a bit of a transition at that position because Cam Smith obviously is leaving. Darius Rush is another player um, who is in the secondary who's going off to the NFL. Nick Emanwari is a guy who's definitely showed up and is going to be a starter in the fall. But there's a lot of question marks around, you know, who might be starting there along with them. So there's a lot of younger players. You know, DQ Smith was actually a freshman last year. This will be his second season, so it'll be interesting to see what impact he has on the secondary. O'Donnell Fortune is a guy who kind of emerged late in the season. I think in the Gator Bowl game, he actually returned an interception 100 yards, and that was easily his big highlight play of the season. So it's guys like that who are getting a lot of praise, you know, from Shane Beamer as well as defensive backs coach um, Torian Gray. And to kind of piggyback off of that, Shane Beamer said a lot, you know, about the freshmen. And he's even gone as far as to say that almost at every single position, there's going to be true freshmen playing there at some point in the season. So kind of like I mentioned earlier with South Carolina getting, you know, as great of a recruiting class as they did, clearly Shane Beamer has faith in their ability to kind of get on their field from the get onto the field from the get go. 
which is definitely encouraging for the for for the Gamecocks. And um, to kind of dive deeper into maybe some of the position battles, where you know I mentioned some question marks being there. Running back is definitely one where you know Mario Anderson is definitely one of the guys that they kind of plugged into address that concern after Marshawn Lloyd left in the offseason. But there's definitely, you know, not exactly as much depth as maybe they would like, but there's definitely some serviceable pieces on the roster, including to carry on Joyner, who many people might know as a wide receiver. They've experimented with him potentially transitioning to running back to kind of address the depth issues there and can also, you know, be utilized as a quarterback if need be. Um, and there's also, you know, some freshmen and other players who may not have gotten, you know, a shot in recent in the last year, but, you know, we'll probably get some good looks um, heading into, you know, summer practices before the fall starts. Um, and then offensive line is definitely, I think, the position with the most concern kind of heading into the season, because like I said earlier, Javon Gwynn, Eric Douglas, those are two guys, along with D Dylan Wanham too, those are three guys who really anchor that offensive line and were starting consistently for the past three years. And now that all three have gone off to the professional ranks, it's kind of, you know, that next man up type thing. And, you know, people don't exactly know who those guys are going to be just yet. So that's going to be a, a big judgment call that, you know, Shane Beamer and the staff are going to have to make, you know, before that week one game against the Tar Heels. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, with every spring season, you also see that spring game. I mean, how did those true freshmen like Nick Harbour or, or those transfers like Mario Anderson – how did those guys play? How did they look? Were were any of those kind of depth questions kind of answered? Yeah, I will say the the depth questions at offensive line, unfortunately, were not because actually in that game, one of the guys that they expected to be their starting left tackle, his name's Jalen Nichols, he pulled up with an injury, needed surgery in the offseason, and his kind of timetable to return is still unclear. So unfortunately, offensive line is a position where more question marks were created than answers but definitely some other places you know I was actually at the spring game I was covering that um so I was able to see a lot of this stuff with my own two eyes and some of the other takeaways that I got from it is I'm um, kind of like um who's going to get the targets other than Juice Wells obviously you know he's going to be the number one guy and you know the other team's number one cornerback's going to be locked in on him every single week so you know who are some of those guys who, you know might also get the ball thrown to him and I we got a couple answers for that as well um, Trey Knox um, and another transfer tight end, Joshua Simon, actually got the most receptions of any player in that game. So it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, what kind of formations they're going to use. And, you know, maybe will they use two tight end sets? Um, and just kind of seeing what role those guys are going to have. As well as Eddie Lewis is another guy who they kind of employed in the slot just because he's a lot faster. I know they threw a lot of deep balls to him that maybe weren't completed, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, once they kind of, get that connection created to see if they can, you know, utilize the deep ball and throw it to him. Um, and another big thing I noticed kind of at the QB position, maybe not something that's going to happen too, too much this year, but obviously with Spencer Radler probably going off to the NFL in, in the spring, we kind of got a taste of who the next quarterback at South Carolina could be in Lenora Sellers, who kind of his history, he originally committed to Syracuse, decommitted, and then eventually came back to the Gamecocks. He's a local guy as well. Um, and he's a dual-threat type quarterback. So obviously he's good in the air, good on his feet. And he showcased both in that spring game, throwing a 50-yard pass, being one of the top-leading rushers. There was actually one play in particular I still remember where he was under pressure and was running towards the sideline. He threw across his body, 
and almost like threw it to his receiver on a tee. And it's just that kind of athleticism from a guy who, you know, hasn't got that much experience against top level competition that, you know, once he gets ingrained to the system, gets a year under his belt, he might be, you know, the guy that you're looking at as potentially the starter of the team next year and, you know, could go on to do great things for this program. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, of course, I did mention Nick Harbour there, but uh, a very much need to be specific. He was not on the team yet because uh, he decided to stick around a little bit longer in high school, um, which honestly, being that what he wants to be like a surgeon of some sort, I kind of get uh, him wanting to stick around a little bit. Yeah, no, he's going to be great either. You know, he's a smart kid and he's also, like I said, really strong and really athletic. He's going to be joining the team, you know, over the summer. So and he's going to be, you know, going to be a really big factor in the receiving game so like i said it's going to be interesting to kind of see how well he kind of does in that first year both on the field and on the track oh absolutely especially because there are some good pass catchers that have come in and, and and around there that south carolina team so we should be able to integrate pretty well and uh it'll be fun it'll be fun to watch especially going into the 2023 2024 season which we're going to talk about right here and now you kind of mentioned the unc neutral site week one matchup if, if, if there are betting fans or anyone that does those ESPN little pick em polls, that's 100% one they're, they're looking at uh, early on because that's a big-time matchup. Uh, talk to me about that game as well as the other big-time matchups that South Carolina's got on a, a road to a possible bowl game or even more. Yeah, so that game obviously, you know, is going to be one of their tougher non-conference matchups. It's going to be a neutral site at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. And obviously it's going to pit two of the top quarterbacks probably in next year's draft against each other, Spencer Radler and Drake May from UNC, who obviously, you know, was a top, even who's pretty close to being in the Heisen race as a true freshman last year. And, you know, so, and with South Carolina and North Carolina having two of the top offenses, you know, in college football, it's going to be a really fun game to watch for sure. And um, obviously with, um, you know, South Carolina playing against a lot of their SEC East opponents um, for the final time before, you know, the 2024 schedule rolls in, you know, some of those opponents that they're playing every single season, like Georgia, they're not going to be having to play them again next year. So obviously, um, you're going to have like, you know, your same matchups, home versus Florida against Vanderbilt and Kentucky. There's definitely going to be a couple of tough road games. Obviously, they're going to be playing in Athens, they're going to be playing in Knoxville against Tennessee, and they're also going to be going to um, play at Texas A&M as well. So I definitely see those three games as probably some of the tougher ones on their schedule. But the end of the season, where they have four straight home games, coincidentally enough, they actually have what I call the Gamecock Bowl against Jacksonville State. Um, those are the only two D1 schools with Gamecock mascots, so that's going to be a kind of fun matchup. And then obviously closing off the season against Clemson at home, that's going to be, I think, a really encouraging thing to kind of have that home field advantage right down the stretch where they're going to probably need it the most. Yeah, absolutely. I love the Gamecock Bowl. That's amazing. I I always forget about Jacksonville State's mascot, but man, that's that's fantastic. Um, of course, now as we kind of start to come to close, we got a couple questions left here, but I did want to ask just for the in general for the 2023-2024 season. Now, this can be about South Carolina, this can be about the entire world of college football. What's a bold take you have for that season specific for this upcoming season? So I have two bold takes, both of them at South Carolina, and I think that they're going to keep on improving. I think that, you know, if everything goes to plan and everything goes as well as everyone expects it to be, 
I could see South Carolina being a 9-3 team and undefeated at home. I think that the only... There's definitely the two games I think they kind of, right now, don't really have any shot of winning are away at Georgia. Obviously, you know, last year's 49-3 drubbing was, you know, just an an example of, you know, Georgia's offensive um, capabilities. Um, So I think, you know... Unfortunately, that game might end pretty similarly, as well as, you know, Tennessee. Obviously, we beat them in our house. Going to Neyland Stadium is going to be a really tall task. And if Texas A&M shapes up the way that they're supposed to be, obviously, last year was, you know, a very, very underwhelming year for that program. So, you know, if they are able to prove that that year's a fluke, going to Texas, I think, is going to be a little difficult. But I think every single one of the other games that they have to play are definitely winnable. So, you know, I think, you know basically busting through the roof of the house kind of ceiling level. I think they could be a 9-3 and three team at the end of the year. And I'm um, kind of talking more individually, kind of like with, you know, Spencer Valor, as was mentioned before. I think he could find a way to be an early-round draft pick. Just because I've seen, you know, there's a lot of flashes in his play. Just, you know, his strength on long balls. You know, he can chuck a football 50, 60 yards and still hit a guy on a dime. I saw him do that multiple times. Um, and he just boasts a lot of really great qualities, you know, for an NFL quarterback. And obviously there's some things that he's going to have to address before the draft. Obviously, I think his decision-making needs to improve a little bit. I know there are a lot of rumblings, you know, about him as a teammate off the field. So I think if those concerns can be addressed and, you know, he's got a lot of weapons around him, I think he has the potential to kind of put in another great season to boost his draft stock before April for sure. Absolutely. And to kind of continue on that, like, how high are we talking? We talking first round? We talking day two? We, I think maybe, maybe early day two. I think there's definitely a lot of top heavy talent in this upcoming quarterback class. Obviously, a lot of people are, a lot of people are saying teams are going to tank for Caleb Williams. Drake May is a guy who could leave. I think there's definitely a lot of, um, a lot of quarterbacks he'd have to pass to get up there. But I think maybe if, Again, if all things go to plan and he puts in an absolutely exceptional season, late first round, potentially, definitely day two, I think is a possible consideration for him, you know, going off to the pros for sure. Yeah, I mean, especially if South Carolina has that undefeated away record, I could definitely see that happening. And to to bring this podcast to a close, I'll just finish up with this one last question. We, we, we went bold. We went with exactly what you think might happen. We went with possible Spencer Rattler first-round pick buzz. But what are your expectations, just your genuine expectations for South Carolina this season and a little bit of a floor and ceiling to how good or even possibly bad the South Carolina team could be? I definitely think the expectation is that they're making it to a bowl game. I don't see them dropping below that level. I just think the squad is too too talented and obviously you know kind of like i mentioned before on my bold predictions like obviously there are some games that they're not gonna win and there's obviously a lot of games that on paper you think are gonna be winnable but just because you know injuries could pile up just the nature of the sec you know they could end up dropping some of those games just like every team in the conference will but i think that they're still a good enough team that they should be able to make it into the postseason in some capacity and realistically maybe they don't hit that nine and three bar that I'm hoping that they hit and don't fall below that six, six bar that, you know, I think could 
possibly be like a worst case scenario for this team, but I'm definitely looking probably around seven or eight wins, just like they have been the past couple years. Um, and hopefully, you know, like I said, seeing, you know, guys like Spencer Radler, Juice Wells boost their draft stock ahead of April, seeing guys like Nick Emanwari kind of maybe emerge into, you know, focal points of the defense and just hopefully having a injury-free, clean all-around year from those guys. And I'm sure just like me, all the fans are looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, with any luck, you know, maybe you'll face Notre Dame again in the bowl like LSU did a couple of years ago, back to back. Oh, we definitely want the Irish. We, we want Notre Dame again, for sure. We want a rematch. Absolutely. Well, Griffin, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If you want, go ahead and take some time to uh, uh, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, for sure. So you can find me on um, Instagram and Twitter. The Twitter is Griffin underscore Goodwin. I'm sure my name will be spelled out somewhere in the podcast. So, you know, that's how you'll find me there. And you can also um, follow the Daily Gamecock um, outside of sports. You know, we write about news, arts and culture. We have some opinion pieces about all things happening on campus and in Columbia. So make sure to check out the Daily Gamecock Instagram, Twitter. And we actually got a TikTok as well. So make sure you check all that stuff out and um, and continue to support student journalism because that's, you know, a really big thing that obviously we're both passionate about and, you know, is a, starting to become a lot more prominent of a thing. So, you know, just continue to read our work, listen to podcasts like these. And even if you don't read stuff from the Daily Gamecock or stuff written by me, if you're listening from any college, start reading any of their stuff just because, you know, we put a lot of work into these stories and, you know, we're very proud of what we do, so... Anything, any way to support student journalism, I'll always support that. So, Absolutely. We talked before this podcast about how great student journalism has been. and There's been plenty of stuff in the news and stuff like that. But honestly, these opportunities are what's so great about student journalism. And again, thank you so much for joining me, Griffin. I really appreciate it. We'll talk again uh, closer to the season. Yeah, for sure.